Heavenly Father, we um, come before you tonight um, with a, just a lot of burden, with so many wars going on in this world, Lord. And um, I just as I'm reading the Psalms, it just reminds me that so many times we spiritualize the Psalms, and yet now they are just so real because they talk about the physical, um, just the turmoil that's going on in the world. And so, Father, we pray for God's peace. Um, and we pray for protection, especially for those on all sides of this war who are the least of them, who are the children, who are the wives and the women, and, and all those who are poor and the ones that you cry out for, that we are to take care of. So especially protect those. Lord. Father, I pray as we come together tonight, we are going to end just one of the most magnificent Gospels I've ever read and just studying in this Gospel of John. And we hope someday when we see you that all these other books that could have been written about all the things you said and did that John talks about at the end, that we will hear more of who you are, hear more of what you've done. So may your spirit just guide us and watch over us tonight. May your spirit fall upon us. May you, through your spirit and through your words, speak personally to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Um, so a couple things. Um, most important, yeah. Pete. Um, you, so you, you, I know you did one on Thursday. I was just serving, so I was like just heads down. Yeah, uh, but you yeah. have uh, tell me more or less. Eric, Eric and Dale represented for the group, and they were the first ones there. I know, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they were the first he ones here sometimes, too. It's so, because they're so old, they thought they might die by the end of it. Exactly. <laughs> um, do you, so do you, you have two more you're doing? Yes. And anybody can come? Probably yeah. Okay. I still, if you can send me the information, okay. I'll email yeah. out everybody um, and see if anybody else can make it in the next two weeks. So... All right, um, and then, Greg. Greg. Yes, Dale. Um, for those of you that missed it, um, Pete was really good, uh, and <coughs> his lesson was the foundation of my testimony. That Christ was real; he did die, and he was resurrected. And there's testimony to all of it, and just. Today, this morning, I got to use that exact scenario on a guy who said, do you really believe that? <laughs> so, awesome. thank you. Wow, yeah. that's awesome, because that was one of the goals that I, that I said we had for the class, right? right? was for you to use it as an evangelist, that we strengthen your own faith, but also use it as an evangelistic awareness. So, we had breakfast together. Great job. You're an excellent student, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> On my walk home, I met a guy and got to use your lesson. So thank you. Awesome. Yeah. And how did he respond? He said, this need to know. <laughs> he now knows. Knowing is half the battle. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, now he's responsible yeah. for the decision. That's he, right. he can't say he doesn't know anymore. Yeah, yeah. Did you say, Tang, you're in? <laughs> no, here's the baton. <laughs> now you can carry it. All right. And then just to review, um, we're going to, in the next couple of weeks, so next week, important, 
next week, six o'clock, Fellowship Hall. I'm serving dinner. I would love to have all of you guys come. You're talking um, to boys. I'm what? You're talking to boys and food. <laughs> I do you think any one of these guys are going to forget that. Yeah. So, which one of you are not? Let me ask that. Does anybody know they're not? Okay, yeah, because you're like... I'm off to Austin. Austin. Okay. All right, so we got one. I can't be. Okay. Anniversary week. Okay, so two. I'll eat for all three of them. Okay. All right. I'm still good with count, so I just wanted to double check. But just just again, remember, six o'clock, not seven, six o'clock. Down there in the fellowship hall, come very, very hungry. That's um, next week. Is there No. I'm going to bring it all. So, um, we're doing Neapolitan, which is, you know, the pizza place down there um, that I did before. So, I will have pizzas of all different flavors. We'll have lasagna, we'll have salad. Um, if I can get the beer on the tap, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I don't like. I don't like. Gil wants beer. I don't want to Gil wants beer. Oh, Gil, you want beer? All right, and then we would take. Ribbon makes a non-alcoholic. Yeah. And then we would take two Bring weeks off. So, um, two weeks off, and then and next um, Tuesday, I'll give you some books out. So, like cool. a little yeah. gift, I'll give you guys. Um, and then we're going to take two weeks yeah, off, and then we're going to start November seventh in the Book of Romans. Um, so that's the plan. I'm excited actually about getting into Romans. Um, all right. So tonight, what I'd like to do is a couple of things. First of all, I just want to ask if anybody, so the first thing is asking whether anybody had a chance to read through the entire gospel of John this week and whether there's anything that stuck out for you. Um, so let me just ask that first, if that's what, the case. In chapter, yes. in book six, chapter six. Well, so the, in book in Ch- John six, six six yeah yes. So what stood out to me was they were asking Jesus, "Well, what works have you done so we can believe in you?" And he said, "The Father, if you believe in me, uh, basically he's basically saying all you have to do, I am the works. Basically, believe in me, and you will be you." What did he say? He said something about the last day. He will be, you will be raised up on the last day, basically. And, and then he goes on and he says, he says, basically, in other words, paraphrasing it, you can't come to me unless the Father has seeked you out. Yeah. So. I guess I was under a misconception that anybody that seeks Jesus will find him, but that chapter said that the Father must seek you out first in order for you to accept or find Jesus and then accept him. So, I guess I'm asking all of you, hey Jack, did you see a Maybe when people are seeking Jesus... The Father seeks them yeah, at the same time. Thought. <laughs> it's 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 one yeah, and done. Right. Yeah, it's in the circular. Yeah, yeah, exactly. okay. that makes yeah. sense. Behold, they stand at the door and knock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the only yeah, thing that good. stood out to no, me. No, that's good. That's yeah. That's yeah. Anybody else? Hello, Eric. I read the whole thing last night. Wow. And one thing just 
leaped off the page for me. Um, and that's John 8, uh, 34. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Mm -hmm. And you know, I don't know why it, it, it just had such a profound effect on me because when you're in the world and, and the world speaks to you and it appeals to you um, and you answer that call, you become a slave to the world. And you become rubbish and my, my wife's English. You become rubbish and trash mm -hmm. because now you have you have no rudder on your boat, and ethics and virtue and all those things about integrity go out the window because when you have sin, there's no integrity in sin, none. And if, and if you can't have any integrity, then then you have nothing. Okay. You have nothing. And so that's why, you know, when I, I had a talk with somebody and I said, you know, if you're in a relationship and you catch him lying to you, the relationship is over because there's no more trust now. And so if they lie to you or... They do something that turns out to be a secret. The secret now owns them, just like sin owns them in the world. And so what will happen when somebody ultimately finds out the secret, and then your integrity is all wiped out in an instant. And so when I read this, there's so much more that goes to it, and basically... If you're a slave to sin, you are a slave, and you've lost control, and all integrity and everything else is just lost. And that's why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to help us to fight against that other path. And it really hit me hard. I was also impressed with how many places Jesus was saying, truly, truly, I say to you, uh -huh. over and over oh, and over. <laughs> That's kind of like, what I'm going to tell you next is important, so listen up. But the word, the word uh, practice sin sort of tells me that somebody that is into it daily, sinning all the time, enjoying it, as opposed to perhaps us sinning inadvertently or, or whatever. That, that, that's what it kind of means to me. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Well, it's probably a little bit... Well, you just well, yeah, I mean, you, you want to constantly try to watch it. You, you're still going to sin. But I think you're right that this probably speaks more of you just don't care and you're just going to yeah, sin. That's what you I, know, that's what whether I it's about. daily or whatever, you're just going to... You're into it. Yeah, you're practicing it. Instead of practicing righteousness, yeah. you're practicing sin. Yeah, instead yeah. of practicing religion, you're practicing sin. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> all right, anyone else who read through all of 
Will you hold on, John? You have Jason? Well, or, do you want, or do you want to speak up now? Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, no, something different. Um, John 1, 4, or 5, rather. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, I wonder about translations. The word has has always troubled me. But the, the, oh, I see. The light shines in the dark. This is the, the opening of John, right? So the, he's speaking of Jesus. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And I really wanted to say, will not overcome it. It says, has not overcome it. And I'm wondering if that's specific to this translation or what, but I find it very fascinating. And... <clears throat> Is there some level, I don't know what the implications of that are exactly, but I find it very interesting. You know, since we're talking about, John's talking about Jesus, I can see it relating to that period of time specifically, rather than all the history. Well, see, he's the light that's come. Right, well, and, and and the darkness can't stand up to him and has not. I think it encompasses a linear timeline. Actually, I think it says it has not yet overcome dark, has not yet overcome the light, basically. And I think in Revelation we find that the darkness does indeed until Jesus comes back and puts an end to that. Yeah. I think that's what it means. It's a almost a future church, pretense. When the, when the church is yes, yes, so, gone. yes. Okay. So um, this is an example of Greek being translated into English. So the word "has" is not doesn't even exist in Greek. Hmm. That's not that's us having to put a tense unto a verb, and the verb is overcome. So the verb in that sentence is overcome. All right. The verb, you guys were just right, <laughs> realizing or not, the verb is what's called a Greek aorist, which means it has sort of a future, more of a future sense to it. Mm. There's like active, you know, an, uh, you know um, yeah, active verb like now. There's ones that deal with more of the future. This deals more with sort of what we just all did was it's something mm. that's going to hopefully sort of be right. in the end. Um, so, yeah, that's a good... But we we add the R verb to it, which doesn't capture the fullness of. You want another that. translation? This is King James, and it's past tense. The correct version. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Well, compre oh, comprehended. Yeah. So an ed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I like. In chapter one, where it says, "And the Word became flesh." Yeah. I mean, that's that's, <laughs> that's it. everything right there, guys. That is. That that's is. everything. I that's. love in one where it says, "And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us." Yes. And that word "dwelt" is tabernacled among us. Yeah. So it's tabernacle. It's taking a tabernacle and putting a verb form onto it. Because the tabernacle is what? The tabernacle was the presence of God who f 
followed the yeah. Israelites as they went through into the promised land. So this is saying Jesus has now come to be to live with us. Yeah. I mean, it's, you can't get more of a right. This he's he's come home <laughs> to uh, to our home. Yeah. Is that in uh, chapter twenty when? It says, and the mother of Jesus came up to ask him to do something about the wine. And he goes, woman, my time has not yet come. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> he talks a, to his mom, right. tells her, woman. But I mean, the fact that his time had not come yet, that becomes his first miracle, accordingly yep. to the Bible that we know of. Mm-hmm. That, um, yeah, that was, that's, that he was aware. He knew his timeline. He knew what was expected and where he was going and what he was doing and why he was here and why he was doing it. That's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Okay, so one of the, we started out... Yes? Uh, are you still on this subject? Uh, new subject. Uh, <laughs> thank you back to the whole study of John. Uh-huh, yeah. Things that keep going through my mind, and I know we've talked a little bit about it, but he said... Uh, why have you forsaken me mm-hmm. when he was on the cross? Mm-hmm. I need someone to kind of clarify that up for me a little bit, why he said that. And the other thing is, why didn't people recognize him? Now, we talked about that. Yeah, we talked about that pretty length. Again in chapter 21, though. Yeah. Again, yeah. they didn't recognize him on the beach. In the I morning. That's what I'm saying. Why yeah. And it said at the beginning of chapter 21, he actually had to... Basically, what does it say in the first sentence or so? It says um, he had to reveal, reveal, yeah, reveal himself. himself. And then three, four, five sentences later, it says, you know, in the morning after they were done fishing, he was standing on the shore. They didn't recognize him. I understand what all this is. That's crazy. Thinking, why, why is that? Why did that happen? I mean, why? Why couldn't he come back in his form and people recognize him? I, I, yeah, I think we had a long discussion about that. He was transcending. I don't, I couldn't say I know for sure all the answers, I mean, the answers to that. However, I think one of the biggest one things is we read in 1 Corinthians 15 that we today have a perishable body. We in the resurrected form are going to be given a new body, an imperishable body. That body is going to have similarities and dissimilarities with our body. Yeah, and so, okay. yeah, and so Jesus is the first fruits, it says in Corinthians. He's a fr- his resurrected body is the first fruits of what we're going to have as a resurrected body. So, you know, heck, I might, you know, come up to you and, and say, hey, David, and you're like, who are you? You know, because you're not going to recognize me at first. But, but so there's something, there's, I think that's a huge part of it. Um, so there's something about his appearance that is obviously different. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's something different about his appearance. But well, when Mary, when Mary did her thing, <laughs> uh, how much time do you think we spent on this? A lot. Maybe an hour, hour and a half we spent on this. It's fascinating. When did they recognize him? Why did he look different? It's a great argument. I feel like the answer to his first question is when he was on the cross. Why have you forsaken me? It's almost like there's well, doubt. Let's, let's, this is the last one. According to you. All right, hold on, guys. Hold on. Mary didn't recognize when she entered the tomb, still as a gardener. But she didn't recognize him until he said Mary. Right. So, again, I don't want to get... Uh, we, we just, as you just said, we've spent so much time on that subject. I know. So, I, 
I would, the best I can do is just say there's a mystery to it. Okay. That's the best I can say. (laughs) Why have, why Jesus says those sayings is also probably a lot, a lot of discussion that I don't, I don't think we have time to try to get into all those sayings right now. Um, there's definitely the sense there. This again, mystery of how Jesus is going to die on the cross, fully human, fully God for us. And why, why has, he's got this sense of, I'm just, I'm, a sense that we don't understand, that he's giving up his entire, Philippians 2, that the Philippians 2, um, I forget the exact verses, but like 6 through 11 talks about how Jesus in, gave up his, gave up his godliness and humbled himself to go to the cross and was there risen again. In that form of Jesus giving up of himself to be the sin for all of us, there is a sense of he's just giving up everything. Helpless. He's like letting go of everything, of his humanity, of his who he is as, as God, to die on a cross for us. And that's a crying out of, <laughs> I'm, I'm letting it all go for the sake of humanity. And that's beyond all of our comprehension. Um, but it's really, I think, speaking to what he did for us. It's mostly because the Father can't be in the presence of sin. So and he's taking a puddle that sense. Right. Yeah. So it says in Peter that Brilliant. he bore our sins on the cross. Brilliant. So when he's on the cross and he's burying the sins, Father can't be in the presence Brilliant. of sins. So that connection briefly was severed, right? And that's why you said, "Why hast thou forsaken me?" That's basically yeah. it. I mean, obviously he hasn't forsaken him. But David also, um, you should read all of Psalm chapter, all of Psalm twenty-two. So yeah. I'll read a little bit of it right now. Um, but it goes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Um, and then it says, uh, but, you know, verse 6, But I am a worm, not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by the people. All those who mock me, they make, they make mouths at me, they wag their heads and say, He trusted in the Lord, let him deliver him. That's exactly what they said to him yep, when he was on exactly. the cross. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. And then um, further on down it, in verse 14, it says, I am poured out like water. All of my bones are out of joint. My heart is like, like wax. It is melting within my breast. Um, my strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to my jaws. When he said, I thirst... Right. So Psalm, is, 22. Yeah. Psalm 22 is like a direct mirror of what's happening to him. Um, you know, and so he, I, I think there's the reality of, you know, him taking our sins directly upon himself, which is, I think, the horror of the cross for Christ. Why he was sweating great drops of blood. Um, and, you know, the, and, that, and, and that connection between him and the Father, but also this referring back to this prophecy of David that is exactly what he was experiencing on the cross. And, and what happened to him, you know, referring back to this. And if you read like um, Isaiah 53, you also get a lot of that sense of who he was and what he went through on the cross. Yeah. I have a question. Uh-huh. Um, if I remember right, when I was reading this, um, Jesus said, as, as far as the miracles are concerned, I have not done anything that the Father in heaven hasn't already done. And told me to do. 
Can you explain that? <laughs> so, is it kind of like there is a predestination because he's following the Father's will, and so does it say that of what he's done? I don't remember that offhand, but I, I think he's I, just referring to the fact that the Father's doing those miracles through him. Yeah, I mean everything he said. That I'm not doing anything that the Father hasn't, hasn't already, already done. Already done. Right. Yeah. yeah done. Done okay. I'm not sure if that's so much predestination. It's that he's, again, he's, he is the Father to everybody who meets him. I mean, he is, that's what John, the Gospel of John has said over and over again, is it goes the Father to Jesus to us. And you just see this constant, everything Jesus is doing is because the Father has told him that intimate oneness of that connection. So everything he's doing yeah, there was a sense, too, of the Father's done. Um, he was abiding with doing, the Father. I mean, yes. uh, he, oh, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what he was doing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, going back to what I started. Good questions, though. Good questions, David. Um, so, we started the Gospel of John in looking at the prologue. And if you remember, for those of you who are here, when we looked at the prologue, we talked about how in that prologue, and we did this for several weeks afterwards, where that prologue gets unstrung, <laughs> in a way, through John. So you can see the prologue sort of repeated in words and it coming back, and you can just refer back to it. It's almost like a tapestry. And it, it's like... The prologue is giving you an image of what John's going to ultimately talk about as he goes all the way through John. Okay, so it's like an intro, but it's also like this is this this is a subject. Now we're going to unfold all of this, and we're going to go through the Gospel of John. You guys remember that who were here? So that's that's what has been happening as we gone through John. Sometimes we've intentionally pointed out, sometimes we haven't. What I want to do tonight is a little bit different, because now we are at John 21, and what I want to do is just spend a little bit of time reflecting back as to what John 21, because we've got sort of an interesting thing happening in John 21. It's like, you almost feel like after Thomas touches Jesus on that Sunday we read about, you know, and then John gives that saying, saying, I wrote this book so people will believe and keep on believing. You almost get a sense you could just end it right there. It almost feels like an ending. But then all of a sudden, you pick up this whole narrative again um, of the disciples and the boats and Jesus. And then it finally ends. It's almost like, I'm ending? Uh, well, no, I'm not ending. Um, and so when you take a look at John 21, there's echoes of what's happening in John 21 that's referring back to things that have happened in John before. And Jason um, and I were talking, and Jason mentioned about how he was seeing some of that just on his own, which is how I came, it's not by, it's his. <clears throat> to do this, which I thought was a really good thing tonight, would be for us to use some examples of that, to sort of see how what John 21 is doing is referring back to things within some parts of John, not trying to get all of it. So uh, Jason's really the one who's done all the work that we're, we're going to talk about tonight. Um, and so I think, and so Jason, you chime in here, correct me as, as, like, as, as I think what we're going to do, is we're going to 
um, he has seen some of these. There's, I'm sure, a lot more than what even what he's seen. But what we're going to do is we're going to go and read some verses, all right, in other parts of John. So we're going to read some select verses. So I want you to just hear those verses as we read them. And then we're going to go read John 21. So we're going to do things a little backwards. Instead of reading John 21, they're reading these verses. We're going to read some of these passages within the Gospel of John. And then we're going to read John 21 and go, hmm, where do I see those links? Or anything else that John 21 reminds me of, of previous things that have happened in the Gospel of John. Okay? Just as a way of sort of closing off this Gospel. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Great. So, Jason, did you come up with anything else so we don't read that whole section? Well, we could just skip some of the... For now? Well, I don't think we... I think or, it's important. Or do you want to go back to it maybe if we once we exhaust the discussion? Uh, we can get into it, but there's probably some stuff we can we can kind of speed read a okay. little bit. But there's but the, the fundamental flow of that and what Jesus is just hitting, hitting, hitting on that is so critical for Peter's understanding, and for and therefore for ours. So this Peter right here? No. <laughs> okay. Um. So yeah, I think it's important. All right. We'll just read quickly. So you think we should read the whole section? Well, yeah, 32 to 69. Yeah, that's a long, it's a long section. I know, I know. Okay, I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's read the other stuff first. Yes. Then go read John 21, but we'll come back to that if we have time. Sure. Okay, so I need some volunteers, all right? So I have, I need one, two, three, four, five volunteers to do some reading, um, and so, and we're going to do ESV, um, so who wants to volunteer? Okay, we got Gil's going to do one, alright, so Gil, you're going to do John 15, 1 through 5, okay? Okay. Alright, who wants to do next? Cool. Alright, so do John 15, 12 through 17, alright, next reader? Okay. All right, okay, why don't you do John 6, 4 through 14. I'll okay, Robert, why don't you do John 6, I'm sorry, yeah, uh, sorry, John 10, 7 through 18, and then you say, yeah, Daniel, okay. and you do John 13, 36 through 38. If you have the book, before you read, tell us which page. You're on with the book. Did you get fifteen five? Uh, yes, fifteen. Yeah, one two? through five. Yes, I I added to it because I I put it one through five so we can read from the beginning. Where's That's the why first it's two? Context. Hmm? What's the first two? First two are John fifteen one through five, and John fifteen twelve through seventeen. So as we read those first two, that is on page ninety two for the first one. All right. So before, if you're a reader. Before you read, say which page so we can sort of follow with that. All right. So what the verse? Yeah, what the verse? All right. So so Gil's going to go first. He's going to read on page ninety-two, John fifteen one through five. You got the ESV? Yeah. Okay. Go for it. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes 
that it may bear more fruit. Sorry, I'm going. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Wow. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay. Who's doing 12 through 17? I am. Okay, go ahead. Page 94. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. For you are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. All right, John 6, 4 through 14. With me. All right. Now. Let me find out. Hold on, let me find it. Yeah, I don't know. So 6, 4. What's the next one, John? What? John 6, 4 through 14 is on page 34. Go ahead. Now, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread, so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered to him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down? Now, there was much grass in this place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Wow. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them, distributed them to those who were seated, so all the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with three fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. All right, and who has 1336 Daniel? No, Robert does. Oh, Robert does. I thought I had John 10, 7, 3. Oh, you did. Sorry. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm... Go ahead. You, that's, that's what you have, Robert. You go, John well, what's the 10, page? 7 through 18. Yeah, John 10 is page 64. Okay. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out 
and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am a good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have the other sh- I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Okay, and then Daniel, you thirteen thirty-six. Yeah, thirty-six through thirty-eight. 13. Jesus foretells Peter's denial. Okay, thirteen thirty. Yeah. Okay, so that's on page eighty-eight. Okay. Simon Peter said to him, "Lord, where are you going?" Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Okay, so I'm going to read John 21. I want you guys to imagine, so Jesus has now been resurrected. I actually think what's interesting, Daniel, is you asking that, I mean, David, you asking those questions about why don't we recognize Jesus. But what's interesting in this story, I want you to sort of imagine as we're reading through it, is these are the disciples who have been part of all the things you've all, you've all just read. It's just examples of that, all right? So they've been through these different times with Jesus. And now Jesus is resurrected. And we know Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And so you sort of go, okay, well, you know, do they get it? <laughs> um, and I want you to listen to the story about the disciples in the boat. And just try to pretend like you're them. And you've got all this history of things you've experienced with Jesus, just like what we all just read here. And when you just think about if you're seen like sort of like this, like almost a deja vu, <laughs> like, wow, this happened before, um, as you're listening to this, okay? So this is John 21, and we're going to read the, through the whole thing. So it says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twins, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. 
Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood at the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered, No. He said to them, Cast a net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were they were not they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, and they were not far from the land, but a hundred yards off. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. Mm. And although there were so many, the net was torn. Not Jesus torn. said to the net was not sorry. Thank you. And although there was not, and although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, "Come and have breakfast." Now none of the disciples dared ask him, "Who are you?" They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. (laughs) This he said to show by what kind of debt he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, and one and the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper. And he said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not going to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not going to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things, and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. The final word of the Gospel of John. Amen. Amen.
So, did you, the, with those first readings we had, did you pick up some of those, like, ding, ding? <laughs> what did you see um, in some of the parallels of what we read? I got one. Uh-huh. Um, without me, you can do nothing. They fished without him and got nothing. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah. So after all this time, it's like, we, we don't need you, Jesus. We just go off and fish. Yeah. Very good. Which I think we do that in our lives a lot, don't we? We just sort of, I don't need you right now, Lord. I just go off and do whatever I want to do. <laughs> I just like the fact that he called them children. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that's that's yeah. awesome. Very endearing. Is there anything that had you, ta- had you, Tom, on that one about, other than just seeing the parallel? Far any as, others? Well, no, any of that one. I mean, anything that just hit you about that when you saw that. But did it, Would that mean you could do nothing? Yeah, yeah. Well, the only other thing, it's kind of minor, but um, they were inshore, and he said, throw your net out. I mean, it's like, what, here? You know, you go out in the lake to fish. Mm. So that was not kind of a double miracle. I mean, you could see how Peter go, yeah, right. Yeah. And they didn't know who it was then. The stranger said, do this. Yeah. Okay. All right. He must have been veiled. They, they just weren't allowed to see him. didn't matter what he looked like. I think it's a metaphor to how we see him now, honestly. Like, what do you mean exactly? How we don't see him, yet we oh. see him. Like what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. I think it's metaphorical. You know what I mean? I think it's it was preparing us for those that were going to read the the gospel down the road that even those that knew him at the time didn't see him. Didn't really see him. Yeah. What, what's interesting on this one that, that you bring that up where he says it's different or what they say is that they knew it was the Lord. Yeah. Here. Yeah. They, they knew it was. They didn't they were afraid to ask him who he was. So clearly it wasn't like it was obvious that he was. Right. But they knew Right. Was. Just like we know. And they didn't dare to. Yeah. They had fear of the Lord. In 9, it says, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. Yeah. So he's still like taking care of Like feeding the 5,000, yeah. Uh-huh. He's still taking care of them. Uh-huh. He's just kind That's of... how he had the fish before he, they brought in the fish. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what does that remind you guys of? The 5,000. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of like, you know, making sure that they get it, you know? Uh-huh. In a loving way. Yeah. Sweet. I find it kind of interesting that he basically, if I'm reading this right, in 18, he basically tells Peter that he's going to be crucified himself. Is that not good? Am I reading well, he, wrong? Well, he's talking about, um, yeah, about Peter. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm just curious because it, it, does, it doesn't seem like Peter registered that. No. Yeah. Where I'm going, you cannot go. He probably thought about it for a while. He, he, he might have, but he was like, oh, if I'm going to die, what about John? I don't even think. Is John going to die too? Is John going to die too? And Jesus is like, don't worry about John. You know, it's so funny. I read, reading this again, I go, we wonder why we have all this division and disagreements in church. I mean, you can't even have two guys not 
saying, what about him? What about me? I'm jealous. <laughs> I want to sit you right here. I'm yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just funny how the, you see this tension already and we don't even have a church yet. <laughs> so, I just love yeah, how... You go first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how cut and dry Jesus is, though. You know, it's like he doesn't mince, mince his words. He's like, what business is it of yours? It doesn't concern you. You know, it's just like... You know... Love that. Love that. What else? See the, uh, uh, when, uh, the denial of Jesus by Peter. So Peter's, uh, Jesus says, you will deny me three times. Before the rooster crows. crows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then Jesus gives him a chance to affirm him, affirm his love for him three times. Yeah, it's just you know, like... Equal to the denial. Yep. Yeah. Basically right. restoring him. Right. You know, and at the end of it, Peter's grieved, but it's like, hey, he's res- he's restoring him. He's, he's allowing him, you know, he denied him three times, but he's allowing him to affirm his love for him three times. Yeah. And um, Don't you I like think some- in the Greek... It's usually described as the first two times Jesus asks, he says, do you phileo me? Which is like the brotherly love in Greek. Oh. And then uh, the last time Jesus asks, do you agape me? Yeah. And then... Um, Which is yeah. unconditional. Right. And and then uh, that's what it says. Peter was grieved, but he said, Lord, you know all things. But, um, yeah, and Jesus restored him. But the beauty of that... And Jesus said he was going to restore him. Yeah. Said, when are you? when you are restored, because I pray for you, but when you're restored, strengthen your brethren. Isn't that kind of a, a testimony to the fact that us aspirational Christians <laughs> have not a second chance, but an infinity chance? It's almost uh, kind of saying that, is that we're going to have as many chances as we need. I think the caveat to that is... Peter was conscious of his denial when the rooster crowed. Peter knew exactly that he had denied Christ three times. So I think, yeah, that is a good point, but I think you have to be conscious of your sins and come to the Father and ask for forgiveness. And then, yes, of course, you'll be forgiven. But without that, there's a lot of people that commit sins and aren't conscious of them. You know what I mean? So, no, I don't think you'll just be continually forgiven without coming to the Father and asking for forgiveness. Well, well, what's, I think the, the next step to what Pete was talking about is what what does he go back to, right? He goes back to the right. He, he just denies his denial, but right. then beyond that, what did Peter said then? That he would never deny him. And what did he say he would do? That he would always yeah, follow him. That he died. would follow him. Yeah, everywhere. And so twice Jesus said to him follow me. Right. So it's not like mm-hmm. a maybe if you want to, it's a commandment. Right. And then later, what's it to you? You follow me. Right. Remember? Forget about him. Yeah. So Remember? To me, that, that I love that. back to the judgment. Yeah, good point. Right? Yeah. Well, it, there's some reckoning there. Yeah, man, amen. You know? Yeah, and, and, yeah. And 100%. You also see, you know, the, the, the boldness in Peter before is like, I'm never going to deny you. Right, 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 right. right, right. When he's, he like, did. Just him, well, do you love me? And then he's like, kind of like less... A little butthurt after the you. third time, yeah. You know I love you. Yeah. I think it's probably hitting him, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's going. He's like, oh, oh yeah, that, right, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to say, Peter, shut up. <laughs> but I, I, if if he did, if, if if he had to say some of the idiotic things that, or or some of the you know more 
tougher things to accept um, because it had to come to us because that's us too. Yeah. But does does that kind of help? Yeah, it's just basically, in my mind, it's, it's not just second chances. It's like we have... Infinite. A, 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 I mean, to your point, yeah, you can't just keep exactly. sitting over and over again and right. not take it upon yourself to right. be better. We're supposed to be afflicted to perfection, so by that... You have to ask. We have to... You have to repent. We have to repent, but I think the point is, is that, I don't know, I kind of get it that... It's almost saying here that we're not going to be perfect, but we are forgiven, and we have an unlimited amount of the ability to be forgiven. 100%. It's grace. Yeah. Yes. It's By grace, grace, you're free. But grace is not free, <laughs> um, in a sense. Yeah. Well, in a I way, say, too, it's Jesus is pruning the vine. Yeah. True. He's, pr- he's pruning the vine. Which he refers to. He'll let you know when you're running out of. <laughs> I mean, think about it. IOUs. He'll tell you. Think about think about what Jesus commands us to pray. The Lord's prayer. What does it say in the Lord's prayer? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But forgive yeah. us our sins. We, we forgive those. those. So it's like, well, wait a minute. He's already forgiven us. Yeah. So why am I having to ask for forgiveness? Well, you do, because you. I need to stay in that relationship with him. He, the most important thing to him is not that your sins are forgiven, but that they're forgiven so you can be in a relationship with him. Exactly. So if you, if you say, well, okay, I'm sinning, of course Jesus, he forgives me, but you're never asking for that forgiveness. You're breaking your relationship with the Christ who died at the cross for you. It's almost like here, it reminds me of Peter. It's just interesting, he says... Peter was grieved and said to Jesus the third time, Do you love me? And, and the Lord said, what? Then he goes, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. It's like, it's like saying to your wife. Your wife says, You never say you love me. Well, honey, I told you five years ago I love you. Why do I have to keep saying that? Guess what? You have to keep saying it because you have to stay in relationship. <laughs> and I want, I want a God thing love with you. Yeah. yeah. Not brotherly love. Yeah. It's funny, sometimes I'll be sitting on the couch with my wife, and oh, it's not a lot to talk about when you live with somebody all the time, and, and out of nowhere, I love you so much, you know, and it's just, and that's like, oh, it makes me melt, you know, I love you too, baby, you know, and it's like, five minutes later, I love you so much, and I'm like, you know, this is like, okay, this is awesome, you know, I love it, but it like will happen 20, 30 times in a night, you know, and I'm like, I would never tell her that it ever gets old hearing that, you know, and it's the same. I do the same with Jesus. I do the same with her. He does the same with us. It never gets old being in that relationship, you know. How about others, anybody else, anybody else see any, or, and maybe not just here, but just anything in 21 that sort of reminds you of things before in John. So it doesn't even have to be a, something that we read. Can I ask you something? In your introduction, you said that you and Jason found the verses that were read. Jason did. Uh-huh. Applied to verse 21. And now you're asking us to dig these up. Uh-huh. My question is, did all the verses that you had the guys read, you feel relate to 21 in some way? Very directly. Okay, so we're not batting very good, are we? 
I mean, well, we, we got, got one still, or two of got, them, right? Oh, we got more than one or two. I think we got most of them. Yeah, we got a few. There's, there's more. That's what I'm saying. There's anybody else who thinks of any of the other ones we heard or anything else? Yeah, let me know. I mean, 333 percent get you in the Hall of Fame. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like he's talking. Like, I forget where it was, but right? like, he's a good shepherd. Uh huh. Just yeah. directs Peter about like ten dysfunctions. Very yeah. good. There's another link that what Jason picked uh, up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very good, Kayla. Yeah. You guys got that? So basically, I forget which is John something, John but Ted. John 10, where he's like, I'm the good shepherd. Mm-hmm. talks in detail about, like, you know, only his sheep, he'll go off, get his sheep, and all that. And then he goes and, like, 15 through 19, talks about sheep in detail. Basically, feed my lambs. Or telling Simon after, or telling John... After every time he asks if you love me, he's like, then do this, do this. It's all referred with sheep. Very good. Very good. But he's saying he's faithful to the flock. That's why he's going to be a lawyer. The other, the other, the other component of that, uh, we do. Good lawyer. <laughs> we did read uh, 632 through 69, which I think is super applicable. And when he says to him, feed, feed my lambs and feed my sheep. What he's doing. He says, tend my sheep, right? But he t- says to feed the lambs and, and feed the sheep. And um, I could be wrong, but I think he's talking about Gentiles as the as the lambs and the sheep as the Jews. So both. But um, what he talks to in that book in six is about the. Uh, He's the bread of life, and that we have to eat him effectively. So what is the food that Peter is to be feeding his the lambs and the sheep with? Oh. Right? Mm. So, um... The bread of life. And that's the... And they, they all stumbled on that. What are you, what are you saying? Like, they, everyone had trouble with it, and that was when Peter... Came, everyone, you know, split except for the twelve, and he said, Peter said, well, where are we going to go? He said, do you want to leave too? And he... So and that comes back to Peter again specifically. And, uh, He's talking about himself being the bread because he was kind of arguing with the people that were asking him, well, what works have you done that we can believe in you? And he, he said, oh, you know, our Moses gave us the manna from the heaven. And he's, well, I was the bread. I was the bread. I was the bread. I, the they, bread. they ate the manna. Yeah, they died. ate the bread. Yeah. I am the bread that yeah. you will eat and exactly. live forever. And he exactly. says, live forever multiple times. Right. Multiple, multiple times. So, um, plus, he was, it was the bread, the fish, all this correlates. That's why I, I felt like that was maybe the most important component of it, because it really is like a replay of that whole scene. Mm, okay. And along with the baskets, the net. They had 12 baskets. He said, take the stuff they filled up, right? So, now they have one net. All 12 of them have one thing that they're gathering the fish with. Right. Yeah. So that, that one, I would definitely get get through because I think it's really that's puts good. it into this wonderful, tangible format. Yeah, that's good. Right. What's the quote? Branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Right. Right. Yeah, can do nothing. That's what Tommy said. Right. That was that was one of the. the yeah. Things. Yes. That was exactly right. Right? They went out, 
Peter said, I'm going to go, I'm going to fish. Those guys all said, yeah, we'll go with you. And they went all night, got nothing as the sun rose, which I think is so beautiful and poetic, right? There he was standing on the shore. Well, you can do nothing without me, but with me you can do far more than you could ever imagine. And not only that, you'll have more fish than that net should hold, but it won't break. And to your point, you know, 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Mm-hmm. That's pretty beautiful. Mm-hmm. Again, the net won't break. I find it interesting that they were casting uh, the net on the wrong side of the boat the whole night. Because all he had to do is tell them to cast it on the right side of the boat. And then they were able to haul in the fish. On the wrong side of the boat. Do we know they were casting Instead on the, of the right side? side? I'm just kidding. Left side. <laughs> 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 Okay, so why why 153 fish, you guys? That's a good question. Because it really happened, that was the number. They counted. So say that again. It really happened, and that was the number. I they counted. I, yeah, and I you know what? Just probably, to clarify, probably point. that's like that's it. It's funny because <laughs> this looking at Factual. commentary, there was like two pages in my commentary about all these different things people have come up with to try to figure out why in the world is 153. And actually, the commentator ended with basically just what you said. Probably because it was 103. <laughs> because, like, one of them is, is if you, you know, if you, like, every Greek letter and Hebrew letter just, like, has a number associated with it. You know, people get to numerology. So, the 153 is the, num- is the number of children of God in the Greek added all up by the letters and the numbers. So if you were to add up, you know, that makes sense. Children of God in Greek, with the Greek letters, and each letter having a certain number to it, if you add all those up, you go 153. It's the numerical total for the Hebrew words, any Elohim, I am God. Yeah, so see, there's so many. But I think, I think it really, it gives, like, it goes back to, I think, apologetics. It goes back to, like, yeah, we're trying to make sure you know this is real. This really happened. There was 153 fish. And they did count the fish. So one of the big things I read was in that day when you had fishermen who would catch a, a load like that, they would immediately go and count all the fish because that's how they would divide it up between them and their families. So this was something that was, like, very common. Like, you get those fish out, immediately you start counting them because you want to know what you're, how much you're going to get out of that. So... It also says the number 153 represents the totality of the nations of the world, which will be drawn in the new creation. Yeah, so you just, <laughs> there's so many things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that one. I do, yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> one way or another, 153 was not a mistake. No, <laughs> right. not at all. Anybody else? Anything else? Um, so yeah. The very uh, last last verse in uh, John uh-huh. 21. Uh-huh. Um, it just thrills me to know what he else he did. Yeah, mm-hmm. that we and, don't know about. You know, and when will we know when we're in heaven, apparently? Right. Yeah. You can kind of, hey, what did you do? <laughs> I mean, it sort of reminds me of my sermon that I did on Sunday that it's like this idea here of 
we are constantly, there's more and more and more to know about Jesus. Keep knowing more and more. The surpassing value of knowing him. Just keep knowing him. Yeah. And there you go. There's it's an like, example of how much stuff there is to know. And on yeah, and on exactly. And on. exactly. I wonder how little we really do know. <laughs> or, you know, I... Uh, Probably comparatively, but little. I just Googled it. It says, It was thought at the time that there were only 153 species of fish in yes, all the world. Yes, I heard that. Uh huh. Yeah. <clears throat> Hence, the, the disciples caught 153 fish, signifying that the people of every class and time would be saved through the gospel. Yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly that's that, that's a good one. That's another good that's one. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. It's a good one, yeah. yeah. Who knows what means all of those? Yeah. Any other things that you guys saw? Um just anything at Joshua. We talked a little bit about the symbol too. Uh-huh. Symbol. The fish symbol. It, yeah. said it, it came for Jesus. Not not at this point in time. Well, the fish symbol, yeah, the fish symbol for representing Christianity came um, after Jesus. But did they already have fish symbols? I'm sure they did. I mean, is that the question was, David? Or I mean, I think the symbol of a fish probably has existed for as long as people could draw, but it became associated with Christians. I think before the cross, maybe. I don't know. Remember offhand. I think before we even started talking, using the cross. I think it was when they were being persecuted. Yeah, I think when the, the Christians. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. I think they came up with a bunch of different things too that were secret, symbolic. Yeah, to show. They could put on doors and so forth, mm-hmm. so people would know it was safe. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. an anchor is one of them too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. Nero was hunting them down, so they couldn't do crosses. So they yeah. had the fish symbol as like a like a, a covert way. What do they call it? The ichthyus? Yeah. I thought it was interesting that his second miracle was saving that man's son. But it was kind of, you know, from death. The boy had a high fever and he told the man, your son will live. And then the servants came and met him the next day as he was going back home. But, you know, in contrast to his first miracle with the wine that was you know so overt and so obvious to everybody you know that those that knew him that his second miracle was kind of clandestine you know it was pretty much unknown except to a few people yeah which was interesting to me because it was like he wasn't looking for uh, any accolades or any attention you know that it was just him being him I don't yeah. think this relates to the verses, but maybe it does that you read. Um, but something that um, occurred to me in this 21 is uh, earlier he said, I'll make you fishers of men. Mm-hmm. So now they're fishing for fish. Mm-hmm. And all, the, all they had to do to be highly productive is just to do what he said. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So just cast the net over And they did that, and they had yep. something that was beyond their capacity to haul in. And, and they, their nets should have broken, but miraculously, the net didn't break. So it's kind of like Jesus saying, I'm, you're not going to lose one. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's you know? good. Yeah, that's a key. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really so good. that's, that's a, a big miracle, and it's an example for 
any of us, but those in the mission field, it's like, just do what he says. And very insightful. Yeah. And <laughs> expect miracles, because this is a bountiful harvest, and it's also kind of a metaphor for these guys, because Jesus is now gone. After this, he's gone. But these guys created Christianity. I mean, they multiplied. You know, they, they started what we're benefiting from today. Billions of people right. have been saved. We're here Lots because of fish. Lots of fish. Yeah. yeah. Good job. Yeah, that's good. I think. Uh, can I, can uh, I add one more? That's just kind of. It's a question, but I mean, it's kind of odd. I, this is the beautiful book, and he has chapter one. He has this amazing introduction, full of metaphor and depth. And, and how does he end it? The last words that Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, going. What's that to you? End. Yeah. <laughs> What's that to you? you no, know, it's just it's not, it's not poetic. It's not a phase <laughs> down. It's <laughs> not a fell off there. <laughs> there. Well, 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 like like an '87 Cadillac, no rear end. You know, like what the heck? You know, I never noticed that. But the last thing is, follow me. What is that to you? What is that to you? So that's if you pull a sermon out of that, Jesus is telling us, like he's telling the disciples, don't compare yourself to other Christians. Yeah, don't worry about it. I got it. Right. Yeah. We it. are like, hey, that's not fair, Jesus. He's going, what's that to you? You, know, you and I have a good relationship. Just hang on. Don't go over there. That's his last word. I, know, I never saw that before. That's, that's it's kind of like, let me handle that. You know, don't don't concern yourself with what I'm doing. Let me deal with it. Yeah. Mike, you were. Yeah. Is there a significance to how John is signing off as he's wrapping things up? Uh, in 23, where he actually transitions to, I suppose, he speaks of himself in I format, whereas the entire book, he's yeah. referred to himself in the third person. If we go back to the beginning, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him that he was uh, he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. He refers but, then, to himself but there to, he was talking about John the Baptist. Oh. Yeah, 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 different yeah, call. But nonetheless, throughout the book, he refers to himself as the one who Jesus loved, yes. as, you know, uh, whatever. And then he, last sentence, you know, he takes I credit. suppose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he takes credit. Yeah. Like, by the way, I'm really been taking credit the yeah. whole time. He's <laughs> right. the one that Jesus loved. So. That's right. right. Come on. Like, <laughs> but it was so oblique, we didn't figure yeah, it out. That's true. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the key. Nobody ever asked a question about that. In verse twenty, it's like, by the way, if you haven't figured out who the disciple of Jesus loved was, it's the one who leaned against his chest. Yeah, <laughs> that's the key. In yeah. case you can't put two and two. By the way, I'm not getting paid for this, so I got to get some credit. Yeah, you got to imagine he probably was almost like writing this, going, "Okay, the very end." Uh, they They're never going to know who wrote this. At the very end, he throws a dig at Peter. Why now? Yeah, it's just what an alpha. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, well, you guys remember Galatians, how Peter still doesn't get it, right? Yeah. I mean, Peter is still struggling like the rest of us. He, you know, remember in Galatians that he is the one who Paul has to come and reprimand yeah. because Peter's falling right back into the old Jewish ways, you know. Mm. Um, and here's just... Not, yeah. Is he writing? Is did John write this after Paul wrote to Galatians? Yes. Or? Yeah. Okay. Galatians is actually one of the first books of the New Testament that Paul wrote. Um, Do you think so John would know about Peter being Peter? Or I I don't know for okay. sure, but you would think it's very possible. 
because John's writing this more like in 80 AD, 90 AD. So, um, yeah, yeah. Because you know why I, I, mean, I can tell you specifically. It, it definitely would have been probably, <laughs> he probably was laughing. <laughs> he yeah, probably was going, see ya, Peter. Look, you did it again. A little more bashing. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's why he wrote this about Peter, was because it's like, he knew Peter messed up again. He just was it, it, it as the last story. Like, that. listening somewhere where it's like, only like, one of the Gospels doesn't bash Peter. Yeah. Like, everyone bashes him. Yeah. Well, Peter, I, Peter's the, he's the ultimate regular guy. Yeah. He's the ultimate guy. He's, he's us. He's just like the, the dude that we all can take solace in. Well, he's, he, he's impetuous, so we see him. He's on the boat with everyone else. He can't wait to get to shore when he finds out that he's Jesus. He jumps in, swims, swims, swims out ahead. No one else did that. Forrest Gump did. Forrest Gump did it. He, um, he, which also is like Tom's when he it, walked on water to Jesus. Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come out. They're like, why are you so impetuous, Peter? Like, why are you, why are you in such a hurry to get out in the water and get, you know, just yeah. dive in without thinking much? Is he always like that too? Like, kind of is. You know? Yeah, he's yeah, always the first. Like, that's, he's that's, always the first one to say normal. something. If I'm gonna dive in the water, I take my clothes off. Yeah, you could just go on to dive in the water. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we both, your, yeah, yeah. your term, hang on, just hang on. I like that. I said that. Yeah, you said that a while ago. Just hang on. Talking about God and us. Just stay with me. Just hang on. Do what I say. Yeah. When I was in college, I basically went back. I went back to college to become a coach. So that's what I was there for. I had a class required to teach little kids stuff. I, I didn't want to deal with little kids. I wanted to deal with big people. So I wound up in this class where I had a, one of the tests was to demonstrate dancing skills. <laughs> and I, I didn't even get feet for dancing. <laughs> So I was talking to the rest of the students. I said, I don't know how I'm going to act relating this to God. You know, how am I supposed to do things? How do we, how do I work with you? Well, this girl that was a full head taller than me and outweighed me by 50 pounds. She said, choose me and pick the polka. And just hang on. <laughs> and I got a name. Well, that would have been fun to see. That's Polish girl, huh? Yeah. You know, to wind this up a little bit. Uh, where wind up, wind up. The disciples were together in the upper room twice. Yes. When Jesus came. And what occurs to me is, Peter says, I'm going fishing. They all got in the boat together. And so they were all together at one time for the final hmm. goodbye. I can't, I counted seven, you know, with, with yeah, the names well, it's there. Just, and then, yeah, but it, that, I read that too. It's the sons of Zebedee. Two. So I, two, I don't know how James many. And John. Two others of his disciples were together, Simon Peter. So I yeah, tried to count so them up too, but it seemed like it was seven. basically it was... The majority, I suppose. 
Anybody else see anything else? Thank you for doing that work, Jason. That was Thanks. a good little exercise there. Yeah. Wait, where's the where's the wine dresser coming in twenty one? The what? Yeah, yeah I was going to ask that. Where's where does the verses that where? you chose about I'm the vine and oh. all that relate to this twenty one? What you said apart from me. Yeah, yeah, let's what you said. You actually said oh. it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're so smart you outsmarted yourself. <laughs> Just listen to this spirit and you can say what he says to you. Amen. <laughs> you don't know what you're saying, but something comes out. <laughs> Thank you guys. Uh, we got, I don't know, we, I think like this was, I think around 58 weeks we were in John. So um, we'll see how we do with Romans. <laughs> so Paul wrote Romans? Paul wrote Romans. That's wow. one Paul writes not, a lot of stuff. That's one that is not disputed like that, that he wrote Romans. So I was just, um, oh my notes, how many words were 7,000. 147 words or something in Romans, so uh, we'll, it'll keep us busy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, All right. Can I? Yes. Can I? Mm-hmm. Non-related. Just throw uh-huh. throw something out. to you you guys are smart? And I'm, it's about the current events that are going on right now. I had a buddy that called me. Do you guys mind talking to? Go ahead. About go it? ahead. Yeah, a buddy called me. He knows I'm a big history guy, so uh, I, he's asking me what is going on. What is what is this whole Palestinian, you know, Palestinian conflict and everything? And I told him, I go, you know, um, prior to the end of World War One, nineteen twenty, well, is when the British Empire was in there and yeah. they basically ran the country. And prior to nineteen forty-eight, yeah. there was harmony among Christians, Jews, and Muslims. Pretty. It was, I mean, there's always been wars and people hate each other and killing everybody, but, so it used to be called Canaan, the whole, whole land. Canaan or Palestine? Well, it's no, many, no, many, many different names. Yeah. Many different names, but, uh-huh. but historically I think it was Canaan, and then, and then Judea was principally the Jerusalem area. Right. Am I correct on that? Well, but Judea, Judea is, at least biblically, has always been pretty much Jerusalem, Jerusalem south. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Right. So, the 1948 came, and obviously the UN gave uh, the Jewish state, which, you know, you start thinking about it from the lens of an American. We're supposed to be the melting pot, and he was he was asking me why did so many people tolerate this? And I, it was kind of an interesting question because in the lens of in the the lens of an American, we don't, we're not aspiring for a, a pure race or of anything. And so I told him, I go, you got to look at this in, without the biblical context. It is, it's, it, it would seem that why would anybody tolerate a Jewish state or, or an Arab state or whatever? It's, it's almost like, it's almost racist to think of that. And just tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong here, but Without a biblical biblical con- context of this whole thing, to argue for a pure Jewish state would seem somewhat 
weird. Mm-hmm. Like, what? why are we favoring them over the Palestinians, which were Palestinians that were Palestinians because of the, the English what? empire? When you say without a biblical context, meaning right, that... No, I, I get what yeah. you're saying, but the, but the problem with that argument... Is there is, is a biblical context. That's, 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 that's my whole point. That's my point. Without yeah, that... No, there's nothing... But, well, well, without that... How do you argue for what's going on? Ooh, but without that... Right. No, but without that... There, there would be no right or wrong. There would be Sodom and Gomorrah. There would be everyone. So there would be an the issue. Whole nine yards, but there's yeah. no way to justify one way or the other. The toughest guy would take it, and that's it. Yeah, but I think what you're but, saying, I could just say, go ahead. No, I, but my just point like, is, without the biblical context, yeah. why are we, why, you know, we are a Judeo-Christian, the Western Europe has been prosperous because, I would argue, because of our Jew, Judeo-Christian ethic, you know, and there's a lot to be said about that, um, but... Didn't the UN sign off on this? Yes, that's yes, my they point. Did. They also so taxed they all they the access powers to pay for it. But, 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 but the animosity, animosity happened right after that. The Arab states sure. rebelled and there was the war. And that's what really right. set off this whole thing. Because prior to that, there was, there was har- har- harmony between Christians, right. Jews, and Muslims. And what you could argue that, well, it's because the English had them, you know, you know under their thumb, which is probably true, true because true. it is true. true. Exactly. And, and very also, true. you've got to remember when they did that, they actually, at the time they made those agreements, they also were saying, okay, well, Jerusalem now is going to be Jerusalem. It's going to be divided up. Correct. So all Correct. of a sudden you're creating division where yeah. what you just said wasn't division. So the Arabs don't have access to their mosques, Correct. their temples, their holy and, lands. And I would say you're, you're all right about, that's why you have a biblical view here, because there's not, you don't have the story of, I don't think, because you don't have the story of other countries who were set set sent sent into exile, right? So Israel had the land; it was their land back in biblical times. And then, after basically after seventy A.D., things just started to blow up because they lost the temple to everything. Jews yep. were just everywhere. Correct. So they've always held on that God has given. For Israel, for Jews, for Jews that are believers, there's nothing more important than the land. Yep. I mean, Correct. we more than anything we even imagine. I mean, for them, land is everything. So that's what they were fighting for was to say, we want to come back to our, this, for them, you're right, told biblical Thompson, God gave us this land. And so, I don't even know what the whole If you want to know everything land. about the Jews regarding that land, read James Michener's The Source. By far the most extensive and intensive thing. book you'll ever read to on what it. Jason was uh-huh. saying. What's the name of the book? The Source the by source. James Mitchner. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Without a biblical context to this whole thing, it's like, why has the Western allies been so much for a purified state? But if you were, if you, if you would ask the Jews, they were fine with having other people there. They just wanted their own homeland, but I don't think they extricated any other races at all. Well, if, if you watch the news, what's happening, that whole area in the Gaza Strip, north of the Gaza Strip, there's no Jews there. That's all That's all Arab. Well, that's the problem. That's all Arab that's that Iran, if you want to say it's, you know... Um, but they well, were kicked out. Yeah, just, ha- Hamas they were did that. Hamas. Iran's paying for Israel all Israel and the other areas, and that's the, that's the. But that whole area, ninety percent of that, there's no Jews in that area I near agree. the Gaza Strip. Not, and so they were bombing their own people. 
So this whole thing, I mean, if you think about it, when when everything was cut up after World War II, all the Axis powers were fined and taxed to pay for Israel. Okay, they were all paying for it. So regardless of the fact Israel needed some kind of homeland, and, it, and it, of course they, you know, they were, it was obvious. There was a lot they of emotion were, on their side yeah. after the Holocaust. Yes. Everywhere. In Russia. Which I'm sure is one of the big reasons why they Hungary, ran, yeah. In Czechoslovakia. They were being completely, yeah. The other you know, issue is that, that World War II didn't end the, the hatred of Jews. No. Right. No. So, yeah, so it was also yeah. a great excuse. Hey, let's get them out of here. Let's give them their own place in the the hunk of dirt in the middle of a desert. Well, they were slaughtered during the Crusades. They went up in the northern What You also haven't talked about is like right after World War II, all of the European countries were pushing European Jews to move back to Israel. And so, like, little side, little personal side bit. My whole family's from Syria, so. Super random. They came here in the 20s. They were all Christians. They got persecuted by Muslims. And, you know, there's a sense of cultural regulation that happens in society. And there's then government regulations that happen in society. Cultural regulation, like, yeah, sure. Like, some people that, you know, I was related to probably died. They're like, oh, you're Christians. You're the 1%. Get out of, you know, our little bubble that we have. Some probably went sour. Who knows? I have no idea. Cultural regulation, like society, people are regulating what's going on there. We're going back. Nobody to, wanted the Jews in Europe. It, oh. Yeah, and then you're going to government regulation, where you're giving somebody their own area. You are forcing something upon a culture or a society and an entire region that has never operated that way. That's probably more prone to Sharia law. Yeah, and it's just well, it's just it's prone to well, the Jews have it's to just prone to cultural regulation where just, you know some people <laughs> like for a hundred years this is what happens, and then that generation, those few generations die, and it changes a little bit, Correct. and then it changes a little bit. That's cultural regulation. And what we have right now is government regulation or UN yeah. regulation. Yeah. Yeah. But even though the UN, even though Israel was formed, and I think supposedly God gave. Jacob, the name Israel, right? That was how Israel came about, the name Israel. But even though when the UN formed Israel, they still had to fight for their independence. In fact, they didn't even have enough men to fight. The women were shaving their heads and going to battle for like the first 10 years. They had to formulate that land out of a Muslim-based land, you know? So they actually had to fight for what they have today. In this day and age. Yeah, don't don't forget biblical prophecy. God still has a plan for Israel, the nation Israel. That's so there's that's biblical like prophecy. Which we but will read in Romans 9 through 11. But, but if, if you're <laughs> trying to so explain so to somebody who doesn't really it's, believe yeah. that there's the biblical uh, yeah. rationale behind all this, no it thing. looks yeah, like but, it's... Yeah, but if it happens, say, look, the Bible says this is what's going to happen. And yeah. if it happens, then you should believe it. Or here's what it said in the past, yeah. and all the pieces are lining up. Like you should believe it. Yeah, right. so, right. well, hey, it says all these countries are going to, these nations are going to come against. Yep. And they'll all fail. Yep. 
So that's that would be a good way to get this guy across the board. It's just it was just but the, my, I, I started thinking about it. I go without having a biblical context yeah, to all you, of this. Right. It's like yeah, why are we? Well, why are we condoning? Uh, well, think about anything. Yeah, anything. Without a biblical context, right. nothing it. in the universe. Makes I get it. Sense. it, it, I mean, it with, with no biblical context, the the. Um, the Jewish people would have just integrated into the societies that they were dispersed in. Right. Right? They were just integrated. Right. Because of the, their, you know, the religion, the context, of the biblical, you know, that kept them together and separate. And separate and kept well, the them fact together. that there is something unique about the Jews. Yeah. Because they been, they were promised, a, God promised them a land, and that's their, and that's their home. Their promise is yet to be fulfilled. Yeah, but they've been yeah. slaves throughout history. Mesopotamia, Babylonia. The, it says they, in the middle of John. Salvation. The Egyptians. That, I was going to bring that up. It's just a trippy phraseology to me. That, that It's true. Salvation comes through the Jews. Right. And it's like, that's, that's, that's a key thing. Salvation is coming through the Jews. Well, our Messiah is the lineage of David and everything. Generally, salvation is coming through the Jews, and we're watching all this. Or to the Jew first, and then to the Gentiles. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the Gentiles, everybody. I mean, this Jew. is but the, Jew, the Jewish people that became Christians. Yeah, so I, I agree. Yeah. Just, when, yeah. All right. Well, let's. Jump, I might pause. So keep your eye on the Euphrates, yeah. guys. When the Euphrates yeah. dries yeah. up, yeah, you know, yeah. we're screwed. So let's. Yeah, I want to. We'll close um, off. And you guys can just continue to discuss. What I think we, we, we would all agree that um, what happened in the last few days is. Big and it's historical and it's opening a new door to uh, future war. And um, think of in the last since 9/11, maybe, um, or maybe even since World War II, there have been a lot of wars. The United States has almost been constantly at war for, for our lifetime, the guys in this room. And this is irregular and. I want to read a verse that I think relates. Revelation 6. And I saw and beheld a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. So that's an evil spirit who's warring on earth. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat upon it to take peace from the earth. Mm that they should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. Personally, I believe that this guy is on the loose. I think peace is being taken from the earth. And what we saw this last weekend is a, is a big step yeah. towards a, a greater conflict. And, and if we're going into this kind of a revelation period, God, Jesus said, do not be deceived. He says that over and over. So that means there's going to be a lot of deception. Yeah. And even the guys in this room, we might fight over stuff. No, this is right. No, that's right. No, that's the good guy. No, that's the bad guy. We don't. It's going to be really hard. To Look what the internet. We have to stay really close to the Lord. And mm-hmm. and from what I've been taught, you know, I'm a bad example of this. And a guy I followed on Twitter and shared with some of these guys. We have to be free of sin. We can't dabble in sin. We have to be free of sin to get the revelation to, to, for the Lord to reveal the truth to us. He's not going to reveal truth to us if we're lousy Christians, if we're compromising Christians. If we're being hypocrites, if we're, yeah. We will be given discernment in the last days by the Lord. That's a promise. And pray for containment, that this stays there, that this doesn't become a global 
event. Yeah, you were you gonna say something? I was just gonna say the internet has certainly overrated <laughs> the peace by f- far more than what's going on in Israel right now. I mean, there's hundreds, thousands, millions of people that are marginalized because of bullying and all that stuff that goes on the internet. I mean, the internet is, I think, is going to be the downfall of the entire world. That's my opinion. That's where it's just going into a toilet. And uh, it just, it's, it's just terrible. Yeah, I, yeah, we got to protect yeah. ourselves from that kind of, kind of garbage. You know, we can get caught up in TikTok, and TikTok, and get caught up in Instagram, all that crap. It's garbage. But you can find trustworthy believers on the internet. But you yeah. have to be really discerning. Yeah, yeah. Very you discerning. discerning. I'd rather trust then, a discerning guy on Twitter me, than the New York Times. How is how is the world going to see? Because everyone in the world is supposed to see Christ coming down out of the sky. How's that? How's that possible? You're living in the United States, and you're supposed to come down in the sky someplace over the Middle East. You're, you're thinking in the singular dimension. I, exactly. But I'm thinking internet. Everyone wow. or TV or just TV. TV. CNN's everywhere. I think it's the same way everybody sees know, the moon. Those are just thoughts. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, let me. Yeah. So let. Yes, Dale. Are you then. Oh, <laughs> I'm trying to give you a last turn word here. Yeah, yeah, where can you get it? A letter. I wrote a guy a letter today. Definitely not. Fox, um, maybe. <clears throat> most of you. I doubt if any of you know. Uh, I make decoys. I've been making decoys for the past 20 years. I don't hunt a lot. I hunt way beyond that. Um, in, my, in my business sense, um, I have often... Guys have called me and they said, I need decoys. Da, 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 da. I said, I'll send them today. I'll pack them and send them to you today. Send me a check. Well, by the time I send them, they could go, well, you sent me the decoys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 20 years I've done that. One guy bought like a Oh, eight or nine hundred dollars worth of decoys. He said, I'll send you a check. Didn't show up. Didn't show up. Didn't show up. What I didn't know is he fell on some really difficult times. Five years later, I get a check. <laughs> One kid wanted some. He said, I just can't afford it. He said, I, we recently married. We've got a kid coming. And I said, I'll send you the decoys. You figure out some pay schedule and just send me the money. 20 years, I've never had wow. anybody hmm. not pay me. I, I do the same thing with painting, and so did John. Yeah. John did for so, 30, 35 years, yeah. So what does that tell you about hunters? There are. Well, I, started the le- I started <laughs> the letters by saying, I like hunters. There's good people. But this, this sense that we get in that everybody's cheating, the whole world's yeah. going to go to pot. Da, da, da. There's some aspects of my life that just keeps encouraging Amen. me to say there are a lot of good people in the world. Yeah. Amen. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, I'd say the majority. All right. Well, I um, and you know, I guess I love what Tom just said too. I mean, I think I think that's the call of us: be holy, as God is holy. I mean, that's that's our call: is look at our lives, look at the sin in our lives. I think Romans will help us with that a lot. Your um, October 10th letter. 
Hmm? Today is October 10th. Yeah, yeah. That was really good from, to reread. He from Oswald. From Oswald. Oh, yeah, yeah, that you did. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the thing that in Isaiah and throughout all of Scripture, there's one thing that God constantly judges his people for, and we're his people. Is it, are we watching out for those who cannot watch out for themselves? Yes. Yes. And I will say in this, um, in this war as an example, there are so many innocent lives that are being lost. And children. Um, the West, the West, um, Gaza, in the top part of Gaza, is the most densely populated, poorest place in the entire earth, uh, where the Palestinians are. Um, sadly, that's where Hamas embeds themselves. So those people get killed, killed when people come out to Hamas. But in there, there's 2.2 million people in a very, very small area. Um, 50% unemployment. Now it's 100% because they can't go work anymore. And 50% of those 2.2 million people are children. It's the highest population of children anywhere in the entire world. And now they have no electricity. They have no electricity, no food, no nothing. And so mm. they are the least of them mm. <laughs> as part of this whole thing. Yeah. It's just, it's just, um, so I just, you know, I call out to God, protect <clears throat> the least of them. Mm-hmm. Because that's what he cares so deeply for is these are his children. Um, all of us are. But it's just... Um, and to stop evil, stop this evil. So why don't we all do the Lord's Prayer together? Um, it's a good one to <laughs> forgiveness. Um, so let's do that. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.